0: Well, if you have your Bible this morning, I invite you to turn with me to the Old Testament book of Jonah, chapter four. Old Testament book of Jonah, chapter four. Uh, We have been studying, if you've been here in recent weeks, we've been studying uh, the book of Jonah, a short book, just four chapters. We will finish it up today. 47 verses, I believe. But when we come to Jonah chapter 4, we find the surprise ending of all surprise endings. I think if you read Jonah 1, 2, and 3, and I challenged you to sit down and write 100 possible endings to the book, nobody would write down what we read in Jonah chapter 4. So I'm looking forward to this. Let me just catch you up. If you don't know the story, if you haven't been here in recent weeks, Jonah chapter 1, Jonah, prophet of God, is commanded by God to go and preach in Nineveh to these wicked people, these notoriously wicked people, people that were hated by most of the Israelites. And so God said, Jonah, go. Jonah said no. In fact, he got on a ship headed in the opposite direction. You know the story. A storm came. The sailors throw Jonah into the sea, swallowed by a fish. Uh, lived there for three days, sort of, kind of, repented. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And uh, then he was spit up on dry land. He did do what God said to do ultimately, and he went to Nineveh and preached. And when we come to Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, which is the very last verse in that story, uh, at least so far as the first three chapters go, Uh, everything is going great. Let me just read this verse to you because it sums up exactly where we are. God saw their actions that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster that he had threatened with them and he did not do it. Now, if the story had stopped there, it would have been a great story, right? Jonah's obedient, Uh, He has been forgiven. He has been faithful. The people have repented. God has poured out his mercy and his grace. He has relented from destroying the Ninevites if it only ended there. But in the next 10 verses, Jonah is absolutely going to crash and burn. He could have gone down as one of the greatest preaching heroes in history if it had stopped at the end of Jonah chapter 3. But because there's 10 more verses, we see Jonah absolutely come apart. Now, before we get into the the verses, and we're going to read the whole chapter in a moment, I just want you to know that the same thing happens often today. What Jonah did, we often do. We experience the forgiveness of God. We experience God's grace and his mercy And then we start out with some obedience and we see the provision of God in our lives and then sometimes just inexplicably we forget that and we go in a different direction and we abandon God and we act like God has never done these great miracles and poured out this great forgiveness that he has given to us. Why did Jonah do that and why do people do that today? I think there is a one word answer. Thanksgiving. And I know we're coming up on the Thanksgiving season and and, and I would be remiss if I didn't show you how that intersects with this story. I really believe the reason why Jonah uh, takes such a negative turn in, in this fourth chapter is he has just forgotten the goodness of God. He has forgotten how when he was on that ship and it was about to sink, he has forgotten that when he was in that fish about to drown, that God gave him grace and mercy, that God gave him another chance to be obedient and that God, because of Jonah's obedience, has done this amazing thing in Nineveh. So Jonah now, all of that good, all of those blessings of the father, now Jonah in chapter four forgets. Why do people today, why do Christians today sometimes do a Jonah chapter 4? Why do we sometimes just just make the worst decisions and just abandon the things that we know we shouldn't abandon? It's because we forget how good God has been to us, what his mercy and his grace has meant, how we were so undeserving of those things and God gave them Gave them to us. I'm convinced that the root of all sins is ingratitude. You name a sin, I believe I can show you how that sin really is the sin of ingratitude. When I sin, it's because I've forgotten how good God has been to me. When a man is unfaithful to his wife, it's because he has forgotten how good God has been to him and what God has provided. When somebody takes something that doesn't belong to them, it's because they have forgotten to be thankful for how God has provided for them and and, and taken care of them and given them the grace and mercy that they don't understand or don't deserve. Every sin we commit is because On a a deep level, we have failed in the area of gratitude. We have not been thankful for what the Lord has done. And I think between the end of chapter three and the beginning of chapter four, it was as if Jonah forgot everything. And, And that would seem odd if I hadn't experienced it myself and hadn't seen it in so many other people. You know, when we come to this Thanksgiving season, We'll all pause, I hope, we'll all pause and just express thanksgiving to the Lord. That's what this is about. It's not a biblical holiday, really. It's not a Christian holiday. It's a national one. But it's one that uh, has Christian roots and, and certainly can be used to, to give thanks to, to our Lord and our Savior, and we should. And we should thank the Lord for stuff. That's usually what we thank him for, right? We should thank him for people, and we should thank him for health. But this year... Let's also be careful to thank him for the undeserved grace and mercy that's ours, the forgiveness that he has given to us just because of who he is. Let's be thankful for those things because he deserves our honor and praise and because that's what makes a difference in how, how we live. So, let's get on to the, the train wreck of Jonah chapter 4. Um, I guess one more thing before we just jump in. I'm trying to stretch it out a little bit. I want to build up some suspense. Uh, one more thing to notice. Jonah chapter 3, he, Jonah's preached this sermon to the Ninevites. Uh, we said seven words in English, just five words in Hebrew. You find it in chapter 3, verse 4. It, here it is. In 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Now, I... I, I I either didn't know this last week, and I discovered it in my studying this week, or I had just forgotten it. I I, I sort of wish I would have shared this with you last week, but perhaps just by the design of God, today is the best day. That word demolished, when Jonah said, you will be demolished, uh, the Hebrew word, uh, which I won't try to pronounce because it sounds too much like a four-letter word that you wouldn't want to hear. Uh, but the Hebrew word there really has two meanings. It means, it does mean to demolish, to destroy. But it also means to, to transform and to change. Now, when Jonah preached it, the primary meaning was just what we see here in the Bible. God is going to destroy the Ninevites because of their sin. But there's, but there's a second meaning here. God also is going to transform the Ninevites because of their sin. And that's how the word is used. I won't read to you the verses, but 1 Samuel 10, 6 and others, it, it's, it's used to speak of a transformation. And so it was almost as if the Ninevites had a choice I mean, they all heard the same sermon, and they, but they had a choice of what it meant. It could either mean God is going to destroy you or God is going to transform you. It could be a bad news verse or it could be a, a good news verse. Now, here's why that's important. We hear the same thing today. Uh, for instance, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, a very familiar verse, uh, "...it is appointed for men to die once." and after that, the judgment. Do you know that verse? We hear it often. We hear it at funerals oftentimes. It's appointed unto man to die once. That's how I memorized it uh, in the King James, I suppose, years ago. It's appointed unto man to die once, but after that, the judgment. Now is that a good news verse or is that a bad news verse? Well, it's sort of up to you, right? I mean, for some people, that's the worst news that they they could ever hear. It's appointed unto man to die, and as soon as you die, there is a judgment. But for some people, that's the greatest news they could ever hear because they know that their judgment really is the judgment of Christ who was perfect and sinless and loved us and and died on the cross. And so we get to pick. Is is that verse, Hebrews 9.27, is it good news or bad news? Well, we choose, just like the Ninevites Got to choose. So let's look. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. Well, displeased at what? In verse 2, he's bold enough to tell us. It says, He prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. Now, I mean, that ought, to, that ought to make us laugh, right? So Jonas says, God, I knew you would do something as bad as this. I knew that you would show mercy and grace. You would be kind to people. You would be patient and let them repent. I knew you'd do something like this. Now, what's so odd about that, what's almost funny about that is not only did the Ninevites need the mercy, grace, and patience of God, but who else needed the mercy, grace, and patience of God? Jonah needed it, right? Had had God not been merciful, there wouldn't be a Jonah chapter 4 or a Jonah chapter 3. It would have ended right at the beginning of chapter 2, right? They would have thrown Jonah in the sea and the fish would have chewed him up and it would have been the end of the story. The only reason that that Jonah is still drawing a breath is because God is merciful and gracious and, and, and that he is, he is patient. And so Jonah's complaining about something that, that he was begging for just two chapters ago. Look at verse 3. He says, and now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Uh, this, is, um, this is drama. I wonder if you've ever had drama at your house uh, this, is, uh, this is Jonah's drama. I won't give an illustration about drama at my house because I'm afraid if I do, there will be more of it <laughs> when, I, when I get home. Um, Jonah says, I'm so frustrated with your grace and your mercy and your patience. I just wish I could die. Um, crazy. Look at verse four. The Lord asked, is it right for you to be angry? So the Lord asks the question that all of us want to ask. We just want to, we just want to shake Jonah. Are you serious? Is this a joke? Or are you really, you wish you would die because you're so angry that God is merciful. God makes it very plain to Jonah in the next few verses. Verse 5, Jonah left the city and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in the shade to see what would happen to the city. And so he's going to watch. And he's hoping, really, that, that the Ninevites will repent of their repentance. You know, they've, they've repented. Maybe they'll unrepent or re-repent or something. Or maybe God has now relented from, the, from, from giving them his wrath. Maybe God will relent from his relenting. And so he's just watching to see. Verse 6. Then the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plants. So God is so good. He, he gives poor Jonah sitting up here on a hill, sun uh, shining down on him. So God gives Jonah some shade. And I think it's interesting that the Bible says that Jonah was pleased with the plant. He wasn't pleased with the with the people who who had repented. He he wasn't pleased with the mercy and the grace of God, but he was pleased with the plant. Look at verse seven. Uh, When dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. And so he had a plant and now he doesn't. What's this crazy man gonna do now? Verse eight, as the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted. Here it is, and he wanted to die. And he said, it's better for me to die than to live. And so the drama has turned back up to a a high level. Verse 9, then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Now, does that sound familiar? It's a lot like the question God asked in verse 4. Is it right for you to be angry about my mercy that I have shown to the Ninevites? And now in verse 9, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? What's the connection here? Well, he's saying in verse 4, you're angry because I did show the Ninevites unmerited favor, and now we get to verse 9, and I withhold some unmerited favor from you, and now you're angry about it. This is, this is nuts. Look, um, look in verse 9, uh, the second part. Yes, it is right. He replied, I am angry enough to die. So the Lord said, you cared about the plant, which you did not labor over and, uh, and, and did not grow. You didn't, you didn't make the plant, Jonah. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. But may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals. It's, uh, it's odd that the, the book ends with a question. I didn't look this up uh, this week, but best I can think, there, there's no other book of the Bible that ends with a question. Uh, and, and I think that question tells us, well, it tells us that there's more to this. There, there, there's, there's an answer. I mean, it's a, sort of a cliffhanger. It's what, what's going to happen next. And when we get to the end of the message, I'll show you what I think, what, what I think will happen next. Church, I, I preached on Jonah chapter four about 18 months ago. Those of you who were were here, you won't remember the message, but you may remember our theme. We were doing 100 days through the Bible. And so in 20 weeks, I preached 20 messages from Genesis to Revelation. So we were hopping through the Bible pretty quickly. And one of those messages right in the middle of that was on Jonah chapter 4, which makes it very difficult to preach it to you today because I told you everything I knew about it back then. But... Uh, I'm a preacher, I always have something I can say. Uh, So so we're going to move forward, and I I do want to show you something that I I think will be important, I know will be important. But let me just take a moment and look back to that previous sermon and just remind you of some things. We had four points that day. First of all, Jonah misunderstood the heart of God. Isn't that true? Jonah just couldn't get it that God loves people and that God doesn't want to bring down the hammer. God wants to send forth his mercy and his grace. Jonah just couldn't understand the heart of God. Secondly, we said uh, that Jonah did not like people who didn't look like him. That's the case. Jonah, he, he loved the Israelites. He loved the Israelites even when they sinned and they rebelled against the Lord. The people he didn't like were the ones that looked different from him. The ones that had a different ethnicity than him. He he liked people if they were like him. He didn't like people if they were different from him. And that's, that's clear here in the book of Jonah. The third thing I shared 18 months ago is that Jonah focused on the temporary instead of the eternal. Uh, Jonah's all upset about a plant, right? Jonah's all upset about some shade. Jonah's, Jonah's concerned that this that, that, that he's going to have a, a sunny day and get a, and get a sunburn. He's not concerned about these people and their souls. Their souls. Can, can I just... You know, sometimes I, I know before I share something that I'll regret sharing it when I finish, but... Uh, uh, can, I, can I just do one of those right now? Uh, pastors get all kinds of, uh, of emails and texts and, and letters, and, and that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Uh, but you know, sometimes we, we get complaints. Can you imagine somebody complaining? And so I, I got a complaint, it was either last week or the week before last. And, and the person that uh, sent it, they're, they're either here or watching, I, I don't know which, but it was a good complaint. It was, it was somebody who was concerned about our church's focus on evangelism. And when I read the complaint, I mean, you, you're going to think I'm strange, but I just I thought, this makes my day. Be- because he, here's somebody, their, their concern is not about, oh, pastor, I don't like the color of the walls. Oh, pastor, if you can't get the temperature in the sanctuary right next week, I'm not coming back. Oh, pastor, the music was too loud. Oh, pastor, the music wasn't loud enough. Oh, pastor, I didn't like that song. It wasn't my favorite. I've gotten all those letters too. But what I was excited about this complaint letter is this is somebody has a burden that, that lost people would become saved people. Oh, hallelujah! Send another one, send another one. I mean, not really. Wait till, <laughs> wait till January. This is the holiday season, but, uh, but not honestly. And I, I didn't ask permission to say what I just said, um, uh, so I hope I made somebody feel uncomfortable. But, but I, I was honestly thankful uh, that somebody had reached out, driven solely by concern for evangelism. Jonah was more concerned with the temporary than he was the eternal. And then then the fourth thing I shared 18 months ago is that Jonah's personal comfort was more important than the welfare of others. Uh, That's a lot like number three. But what about this? What about today? So I wrote a message today, and you can find it at noeldear.com. It'll be there in a day or two. You can find the text of everything I was going to say. Another four points, another hour and a half sermon. <laughs> you can go and read it if you would like. But I just felt impressed this morning that I should just share one of those four points because there, there's one that's so much more important than the others. I don't want to distract from this one truth uh, by sharing by sharing other things. And so if you picked up one of the outlines on your way in this morning, you may not need that whole piece of paper. I know some people are really going to be upset that they don't get the blanks, you know, in the last three points, but, uh, but, but you pray, you'll be okay. Let's, uh, let's focus on this very first point. Jonah didn't see himself as a sinner. What's Jonah's biggest problem He didn't understand that he was a sinner. He understood that the Ninevites were sinners. They were terrible sinners. And we've talked about some of their sins. They were notorious for for their violence. Uh, They were guilty of sins against women and children that that I wouldn't even tell you about. They're so so terrible. And, And people knew this. And in fact, in their writings, the Ninevites have bragged about this. We've read those writings And so the Ninevites were terrible, terrible sinners. And in in Jonah's mind, Jonah was not one of those. Jonah was a good guy. They were the bad guys. And that's why Jonah didn't want them to be forgiven. That's why Jonah wanted God to rain down wrath from heaven because they're sinners and he is not. So that's, I think that's a struggle that, that that we all have, because it is true that the Ninevites were sinners, but it is just as true that Jonah was a sinner. You understand? Jonah thought that they were something that actually was true of himself. Jonah rebelled against God. Jonah followed his own path instead of following the path of God. Jonah failed in his obedience. Jonah was more interested in satisfying his own desires and pleasure and preference than he was the commands of God. Jonah was a sinner too, and that's what he couldn't understand. I think if we had have gone to Jonah and said, listen, Jonah, I, I, I know you think that those people are sinners, but, but let me show you a list. Do you have a copy of your book, Jonah? You are a sinner too. What would Jonah have said? I think Jonah would have said, but my sin is different from their sin. Jonah would say, I've never been violent. I've never killed anyone. I've never, I've never crossed a certain line. I've never done something that, that some of these Ninevites have done. My sin is different. What well, Jonah You are wrong. And let me explain why. The Bible clearly teaches that we are all sinners. Everyone is a sinner. One of the most important verses in the New Testament, Romans 3.23, "...all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." All have sinned. That means all have missed the mark. All have have seen and known the standard of God and we've done something different. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means we have flunked the test, the the class. There's no hope. We have come up short. All of us are are sinners. And and I think sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our minds around just how, how complete and how thorough that declaration is. You are a sinner a dirty, rotten sinner, and so am I, And so are the Ninevites, and so is Jonah. I think really to understand the weight of Romans 3:23, you have to read, I don't know, the, the six, eight, six or eight verses that precede it. And, and I would encourage you to go home and do that. Just read all of Romans chapter three. But let me just point out three of the verses that precede Romans 3:23, because I think it'll help you appreciate what it really means when it says, "All people are sinners. Listen to Romans 3, 9. Paul writes, what then are we better off? Now, I'll pause there and tell you what he's talking about. See, in Paul's days, there were Jews and there were Gentiles. And the Jews, uh, they knew God's law, and they were pretty good at keeping God's law. They weren't dishonest. They didn't steal things. Uh, they, um, they sacrificed. They went to church. They they, they studied uh, the Torah. The Jews kept the law pretty well. I mean, not perfectly, but they kept it pretty well. And then there were the Gentiles. The Gentiles, that's us, right? That's everybody that's not a Jew. And the Gentiles didn't keep God's law. They didn't even know God's law. The Gentiles, they barbecue pork, okay? Uh, the Gentiles did not keep the, the laws about marriage. The Gentiles... Uh, didn't go to the synagogue. The Gentiles were sinners. And so the Jews thought, well, we're pretty close to God because we keep most of the rules, but the Gentiles are way away from God because they're they're just sinners. And so Paul asked the question, verse nine, what then are we, the Jews, any better off? And he says, not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. Verse 11, there is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. Verse 12, all have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. The problem Jonah had is he just didn't understand that he too was a sinner. He wouldn't have been nearly against uh, the, the mercy and the grace of God, if he would have recognized that he needed it as badly as the Ninevites needed it. The Bible says very clearly that if you break the law, if you break God's standard, then you are a lawbreaker, and in a sense you've, breakin', break, breakin', you've broken all of God's law. Let me just share a couple of references. James 2.10, whoever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. 1 John 3, 4, everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness. If you commit one sin, we, we, we need to understand that, that we're all sinners through and through and we're not better off or closer to God because some of us have some, some inner righteousness that other people, other people don't have. Now, certainly the, the degree of sin is different. I mean, we can't deny that. Some people, the degree of their sin is greater than the degree of sin in my life. And somebody would probably say that when they compare their life to mine, that my life has a greater degree of sin. So, you know, certainly sin has degrees. There are things that I haven't done. There are things that you haven't done that other people have. But but, but let me talk about the degree of sin. The degree of sin has more to do with the opportunity you have had to sin with the time that you've had to sin, with the social acceptance of certain sins, with your upbringing and with the grace of God that it has anything to do with you. If you've not sinned in a certain way, it's not because you are of of More noble stock than somebody else. It's not because there's some inner goodness in you that's not in that other person. If you've not sinned like they have not sinned, that's the grace of God. That's the constraint of the Holy Spirit. That's some influences around you that are not because of you. Were it not for God's grace, there's not one sin that's ever been committed that you couldn't commit and I couldn't commit. We're all sinners. Now, there are different consequences for sin, and I know that's what some people are thinking. They're, well pastor, all sins are, some sins just have more consequences, greater consequences. And so you can't say that we're all sinners. You know some people have committed murder, some, some, they've done things that are, that are more consequential. And you're right. Uh, th- there are sins that have greater uh, consequences. They're in, in a temporary sense. In fact, the Bible in the Old Testament. Uh, says if you commit this sin, this punishment comes to you. If you commit this other sin, a different punishment. So God acknowledges that sin. different sins have different consequences, and, and they should. So so if you jaywalk across North Street, that shouldn't be the same as murdering somebody. Uh, there are different consequences, of course, but that's not what we're talking about. I would also say that there are different consequences eternally. Uh, a lot of people are surprised to see this, but it, you see it a dozen times in Scripture. Listen to this, Matthew eleven twenty one. 21 It says, woe to you, these are the words of Christ, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, some cities that God had judged, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes long ago, but I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon, these notorious cities of sin, on the day of judgment than for you. And so it seems there that sin, if sin can be worse from an eternal perspective, it's those people who have heard from God who are the, who are the greater sinners. But Jonah struggled. The reason why he does these, this crazy thing, the reason why he says these things is he just, he thinks that those people are guilty of sin, but he's not. Those people deserve to be punished. But Jonah, he's a different kind of person. Now, l- let me share with you two or three things that that teaches us. And, and here's where this, this will perhaps be uncomfortable for you. It's uncomfortable for me to preach. But, but here's how we may see that we're guilty of the same thing Jonah is guilty of. And it's just as serious in our lives as it, as it was in the life of Jonah. So the first thing I, I observe is that when we realize that we're all guilty of sin, it should humble our hearts before the Lord. I should I should recognize just how good God has been to me. I should recognize just how undeserved God's mercy and grace in my life, how undeserved, undeserving I am of that. And it should humble me. Uh, in the New Testament, who did Jesus criticize the most? Ever, ever thought of that? He criticized some people. Who did he criticize? He criticized the Pharisees. The Pharisees were, they were about as good a people as you could find. You know, just to use the East Texas vocabulary, we would say that man is a good man. I mean, you want the Pharisee to be your banker. You you, you want the Pharisee to be your neighbor. You you want the Pharisee to be be your boss or or, or to work with you because the, the Pharisees did almost everything right. They were so focused on following the rules that they were fanatical about it. Now, of course, they were sinners and they didn't follow all the rules, but it wasn't for lack of trying. They were good people. But Jesus had hard words for them harsh words for him. now when jesus ran into somebody we would truly call a sinner He had different words, right? They brought a woman to her who was guilty of adultery, and and Jesus didn't condemn her. He offered her grace and mercy, And, and, and that's because God wants us to understand we're all guilty of sin and to come to him in humility, not in the pride of a Pharisee. I'm great, and I'm good, and I'm better than those other people down the road. I'm better than those people I've seen on TV. I'm better than those people I work with. No, that's a Pharisee. And and Jesus condemned that. Jesus is looking for us to come with a humble heart. When you see a worse sinner than you, I mean, quote unquote, you know what I mean? you see a worse sinner than you, your attitude, attitude should be to thank God for the grace and the mercy and the constraint of the Holy Spirit in your life that you are not guilty of the same thing they're guilty of. I was reading this week, I love to read the Puritans, and I was reading this week Matthew Henry, uh, which is probably, a, uh, well, maybe not probably, but a, a name a lot of you may know. He's famous for a commentary that he wrote, sort of a, today it's a one-volume commentary, and, I, and I, I use it often, it's, it's a really good commentary, but I, w- I was just reading some of his writings this week, and I came across a, so, something he told about, about being mugged one day. He, he tells the story about, about his mugging uh, that, that I thought I thought was helpful. Uh, he says, one day I was, uh, I was robbed by a thief on the street, and then I thanked the Lord for a few things. What do you think he would thank the Lord for? He says, first of all, I thank the Lord uh, because it's the first time I've ever been robbed. Okay? Well, that's good. He thanked the Lord that this didn't happen often. Secondly, he thanked the Lord that the robber took his money, but not his life. Okay. That makes sense. That's, that's good to be thankful for. It's a good point. Number three, he said, I was thankful that though he took everything, he didn't take much because I didn't have much. I thought, well, that's a good perspective, but it's number four that really stuck with me. He said, I am thankful that I was the one who was robbed and not the one who did the robbing. Do you understand that? He looked at that robber. He looked at that thief, scum of the earth. And in his humble heart, he said, were it not for the grace of God and the presence of the Spirit in my life, that would be me. That's hard to do, but that's the Bible truth. Right, When you see somebody sinning in some terrible way, it should humble us. God, if it weren't for your grace and mercy and the constraint of the Spirit in my life, that's what I would look like. That's what I would be doing. We should never think that we are somehow better stock or more noble character than those who are notorious sinners. Romans 3.11, I read it a moment ago. It ends with these words. There is no one who seeks God. You don't seek God. Uh, they don't seek God. Jonah didn't seek God. It was the mercy and the grace of God that brought him. When we begin to think our salvation is in part due to our own worthiness, we are on dangerous ground. We need to recognize that it's all the Lord. It's not that you were somehow better than somebody else, had a little bit more inner righteousness, that you were just good on the inside and god saved you though no, you are as rotten as anybody's ever been rotten and god because of his love and his grace and his mercy it's all him and we ought to just be amazed at that i am about five years ago i i guess i had maybe the most emotional uh, experience at least in the last five years i was driving um, well, I don't know where I was driving from and to, but I do remember I was between Columbus, Ohio and Cincinnati, Ohio. I was driving towards Cincinnati. And um, I, 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 my insurance person is here, so I have to be careful with this. But um, I fell asleep. Going down the interstate, I don't know, 70 miles an hour, I fell asleep. I don't mean just a little bit groggy, I fell asleep. And um, so I woke up uh, in the grass on the side of the road. When I fell asleep, it just so happened. It started running off the road. It just so happened. There was an exit and I fell asleep and took the exit ramp and then, you know, going up, slowed me down, ran off into the grass on the side. And when I woke up and realized what had happened, I just, I mean, maybe you've experienced something like this. I, I was so emotional because I thought, for all rights, I should be dead. I fell asleep on the interstate. Foolishly, should have pulled over, should never have been driving in this situation. I fell asleep. I should have died or at least been severely injured. I should have killed other people. That's what happens if you fall asleep on the interstate. But I sat there and I just couldn't believe because it wasn't because of my expert driving skills. It wasn't because of my laser focus. It's the grace of God. I am saved today. My sins are forgiven. I have the hope and the surety of heaven. But it's just as much or even more so because of the grace of God. And that should humble me, amaze me. But quickly, there's another observation I see here. Um, When we recognize that we are sinners, that we truly are, it should soften our hearts toward other sinners. Uh, Sin is sin, and we shouldn't shy away from saying that. But if you look at people who we call the worst sinners, and you wish those people to be destroyed, then you are Jonah. Jonah. And your foolish pride says more about your heart than it does those people you wish were destroyed. If you see some people out there and they have some label over there and you wish that God would just strike them dead, you wish they would just be destroyed. You're not concerned with God bringing mercy or grace or forgiveness or transformation in their lives. You just want God to wipe them out. You're a Jonah. You're a Jonah. Is homosexuality a sin? is hurting a child or a woman a horrible cowardly disgrace is abortion murder yes 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 no question but the right attitude toward people guilty of those sins is that somehow some way father help them to hear the gospel message so that they can be forgiven and that they can be transformed by your son To have any other attitude is to have the attitude of Jonah. Have you ever heard of Westboro Baptist Church? Um, That's a really unfortunate name for for that church. Uh, When I was... um, Because, you know, it's Baptist and we have Baptist in our name, but we're nothing like them. Uh, When I was in Ohio, I was a pastor of the First Baptist Church in the area. There was actually another church called the First Baptist Church. And they believe something entirely different than what we believe. And I remember joking to people, uh, listen, our church would pay the cost for their church to change their names and you know, buy another sign. We just hated that we were associated with them. Well, Westboro Baptist Church is not a Baptist church. It's a group of people that, that protest and picket uh, people that are guilty of sin. Uh, uh, people who are guilty of homosexuality, that's their favorite group to protest. But they've also protested you know, uh, veterans as they return from war. I mean, they, they, they'll protest anybody to get some attention. And, and, and their message, well, you can see it on their signs. I, I can't even tell you what their website is because it's, a, it's offensive to say the sentence. These people hate people. And they want God to judge people and destroy people and kill people. They are Jonah's. And, and, and what they say is not even a misguided gospel message. They don't even want people to be saved. In fact, they say people can't be saved except for themselves They are just spewing hate. Now, none of us would ever carry a sign, God hates whoever. But I'm worried that sometimes I don't have the same attitude in my heart when I see people that are guilty of sin that turns my stomach and turns the stomach of God. And I don't know that I always wish for their salvation. But what I should remember is that while their sin turns the stomach of God, so does mine. And it should change my attitude toward other people. And then the third thing, very quickly, it should lead us to surrender our hearts and our lives to the Lord. See Jonah believed that his religion, I mean he was a good guy, he, he was a prophet and a, and a recognized prophet in Israel, so he was a professional believer. Jonah believed that his religion and his rule keeping got him partway to God. Uh, He just needed a little bit of help. I mean, he he needed God. He would have admitted he needed God. But he didn't need God that much because he was a pretty good guy. I just need God to help me a little bit. But the truth is, Jonah contributed nothing to his right standing with God. He would never contribute anything to his right standing with God. And neither do you. And neither do I. Our hope... Our only hope is Christ. If we, were to, if, if we were to have a project that we were going to, you know, us as individuals, we're going today to go to the moon. I mean, would you like to go to the moon today? So we all get out here in the parking lot and people would stop on the street wondering what we're going to do. And we're going to try to get to the moon. Now, would any of us have an advantage over the other I'm taller than some of you, you know, two or three inches taller. Some of you two or three inches taller than me. So, which one of us would have the advantage reaching up to the moon? Some of you could probably out jump me. Maybe not, but maybe, maybe, maybe I can jump one foot. You can jump two. Will that help you get to the moon? Do you have any advantage over me getting to the moon? No, that's ridiculous. And and getting to God by some goodness because of how you were raised, because of your just sense of right and wrong, when you think of those things and and you depend upon those things, you're like somebody standing in the parking lot thinking that you have a better shot at the moon because you're taller than somebody. If it's not the grace of God, none of us have a chance. And none of us is even one inch closer. Uh, It has to be. Has to be the grace of God. Well, let me. I had two or three more points, but I, I want to wrap up. You know, Jonah ends with chapter four, but in one sense, there's a chapter five, right? I mean, we, I mean how did it turn out? Did Jonah did Jonah finally recognize what he what he had done? Well, I believe he did, because there is a book of Jonah. This is his testimony, and so there wouldn't be a book of Jonah had he not had he not changed. So that gives me hope. That gives me hope that prideful, selfish people like me, that we can be changed. Jonah was changed. The most selfish man in the Bible, Jonah was changed. There's hope for me. There's hope for you. So the question that we'll end with, this holiday season, are you going to be Jonah or are you going to be Jonah? Are you going to be Jonah of Jonah chapter 4 selfish bigoted I'm better than other people are you gonna be Jonah of Jonah chapter 5 I know that everything I have and my right standing with God is because of his grace and his mercy just with so your head bowed and eyes closed let me challenge you in this way we're gonna stand and sing in in both in both areas both both services if you don't know Christ as your Savior And you've thought, it's just too hard. I can't jump to the moon. I've got good news for you today. You don't have to. The Father in heaven through Jesus will reach down right to where you are. You don't have to fix something first. You don't have to clean up something first. You can say today, Father, I need you and I need your forgiveness and I surrender my life. I want to be different and I want to change. I just give it to you today and God will save you today and he'll make those changes in your life. And you can step forward from where you are. There are people in the front of both services that love to talk to you about how today you can be a child of God. Maybe today... Sort of the opposite problem. You, you felt pretty good because you're a pretty good person. People say about you, yeah, she's, she's a good woman. But you recognize today you've been leaning on you. You've been leaning on you. Today you need to humble yourself before the Lord. Would you do that? Father, thank you that I am saved by the grace of God because I know there's no other way. Nobody has ever needed more grace than me. And I've never needed more than somebody else. And you can give it to us all. If we'll humble ourselves. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.